You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive podcast. My name is Jeff Cross, and I'm here with Mr. Chad Ozy. We want to welcome you to another, hopefully, great episode. Um, before we get started, you know, the usual, the usual things. Email us at uncommondrive.com podcast at gmail.com with any questions comments or concerns complaints i suppose you could put those in there too but uh we don't listen to those so (laughs) um if you're on whatever you're listening to it if you're listening to it on apple podcast or wherever that might be could you just leave us a rating and a short review those are always helpful because the the algorithm really likes that and it'll push it out to more people so um, we just actually just went through and looked at some of our reviews again before we started today, and we got some really good reviews on there. So we thank you for doing that if you've done so already. But uh, um, don't be afraid to leave another one. We're okay with that. So, Chad, how you doing, buddy? I'm great, Jeff. Oh, it's that uh, time of year. We are well in the swing mm-hmm. of conference season for basketball. Yeah. Uh, all of my baseball friends out there, uh, at the time that we are recording this, you have Three days left to get your NCAA test done and mm. submitted, uh, and everybody—baseball, uh, basketball, all that—you you know the uh, the tension that goes with getting that NCAA test done. So, uh, thinking about you out there and uh, hoping you get great work done. Yeah, remember the test is just an assignment. That's right. It's open book. You know, you got to re- receive a certain grade, but it's just an assignment. So um, sometimes people do struggle with tests and. And they struggle because we put the word test or quiz behind something when I think it's if we just relate it to an assignment because you've had whatever 30 days to do it and you know you you can open up the book um, just get your assignment done pass your assignment life will be good that's right that's exactly right well Jeff I'm kind of excited about today we are getting ready for our third listener question episode you know we've we've asked people to send us in, uh, like you said at the beginning, questions, comments, concerns, whatever it might be. And uh, one of the things that then we want to do as part of the podcast is honor that time that they've that they've put in mm-hmm. by actually using these questions in our podcast. And we said that we want to provide content that people are looking for. And so if you're asking the question, then we know it's something that you're looking for answers about. And so we've got four more listener questions today that we're going to dig into. Uh, the great thing about these is that it allows us to hit a, a lot of topics at once. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've listened to us before, if this is not your first time listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast, you'll know that occasionally we can chase rabbits down certain trails. And so who knows where we may end up today. But I think the the first question that we've got um, is actually a really great question. I think it applies regardless of the sport uh, that somebody might work. The question that they asked is, 
Whenever you've had a horrible day, whether it's at work, home, school, whatever, or maybe even it's carried over into a horrible week, mm-hmm. how do you keep that from affecting your games and the way you officiate? Well, we're you know we're probably not all very good at that. Mm-hmm. I think we're all we're probably all real good at taking that horrible day and week into everything we do, whether it be on the, the basketball floor or the baseball field or even in our home life. Sure. You know, I'm sure we can all, and probably even, you know, you, you have a bad day from nine to five, you go home and you you have another bad six, seven hours with your wife or significant other. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that would be my first question. What are you doing to not bring a bad day worth of work home to your spouse. Mm-hmm. And we need to be doing something very similar to that. What am I doing to not bring a bad day of work onto the officiating floor or onto the court or into my partners into the locker room? So what I do might be different from, from case to case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, it is, it is most definitely going to be something that I'm that I know that I'm going to reach out to someone that when I someone when I see their name come across my phone from a text or a phone call, I, I get a little excited about oh like, oh wow you know Chad's calling cool you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So don't wait for that phone to ring. Don't wait for that name to come across. Think of that name and then call that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you really take a deep dive into it, I think there's even time, if you, there's times you're out, you get off the phone with maybe a 30 minute conversation with whoever, name the person, we don't care. And you don't find yourself feeling very uh, replenished or gratified or, you know, you know, accomplished after you get off the phone, then maybe we probably shouldn't spend so much time talking to them. I'm not saying you don't want to, you want to stop talking to them, but when we're having difficult days at work during our nine to five or, you know, during that difficult week, that's not the person I'm talking to. We want to talk to that person who is going to make us smile. And, and, you know, I even find myself, and I've said it before, I'm pretty sure, but you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm such a simple man. (laughs) You know, I'm just, it's just that simple. So if I get down, well, I want to watch, Cats falling off a shelf. You know what I mean? I want to watch. The ASPCA has now just flagged us as a podcast for cruelty to animals. Way to go, Jeff. You know, I want to see people slipping and falling on ice. That's what I want to see because that, it just makes me laugh. So I'm pretty, maybe it's a, maybe I do need to say this episode of Three Stooges. You know, that's what I need to do. That's what, that's, that's what I am. And only you know what is going to make you feel a little bit more refreshed. And a little less um, consumed by the bad previous eight hours or the bad previous five days. So that's what I would do. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, but I'm a pretty simple man. I I think I, I love spending time with my family. I love spending time with my with my mother in law, but that doesn't always get me out of the funk. Sure. But I do believe if you speak to like my mother in law is eighty seven. She'll make you forget about everything that's going on because she's really got nothing going on. Mm-hmm. So when you come over, she just wants to visit with you and talk to you. And 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 when you say, how's it going, Verda? She's going to give you 30 minutes of mm-hmm. what the past week has done for her. And you'll be distracted by all of that stuff. So that helps me. That helps me, and I and I, I love that part. I actually look forward to it. We're going for dinner tonight mm-hmm. over there, and I was telling my wife, I said, uh, you know, we haven't seen your mom in a, you know, in a week, so it would be nice to go over and visit. And I already know how I'm going to decompress. You know, we're probably going to have a fire in a fireplace, and I'm going to sit, and I'm just going to visit with her, and she's going to you know, tell me maybe a story that I've already heard before or whatever it is, but I don't care because that, that, that helps me disengage from the, the real difficulties in – in our day-to-day life. Well, you know, I, I'm reminded when I think of this issue, you know, and I think probably all of us that are listening, when we heard this question, 
we immediately thought in our mind of either a time that this has happened mm. or a scenario of what that looks like for us. You know, okay, we get out of work later than we thought we would, and now we're pushing a little later into our game, or it's been a stressful day or whatever. And and most of us, even if we think about it, could kind of feel in our bodies right now the tension that we feel in those moments. Mm. That's what our body's really good at doing is, you know, remembering those kinds of things physically. You've used a phrase... Uh, not necessarily talking about this, but I've heard you use this phrase lots of different times where you've said we need to have at the altar type honesty. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we're good at that on the court. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're good at that with our with our partners or whatever in, in those kind of key moments of a game when we need to have that. Right. Mm hmm. But what is it that almost all of us do? We walk into the locker room. Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, it's good. Oh, it's fine. Mm. Oh, it's whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And then we immediately just gloss over it, right? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we have to turn it into a 30-minute counseling session mm -hmm. or anything like that. But I think sometimes, you know, if, if Jeff asked me, you know, how my day was when I walk in the locker room, I just may need to say, you know what, Jeff, today's been really hard. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to be difficult for me not to carry it onto the court tonight not for me to carry it on the field tonight. Mm -hmm. If you see me slipping down that way, do something to snap me out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and whether that's getting me to crack a smile, whether it's just, you know, a thumbs up, hey, we got your back, whatever it might be, you know, anytime we we balance that load, you know, it makes it so much easier. That's that's not a load that I necessarily have to carry on my own that night. Because we're a crew. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that we want to celebrate successes as a crew, we also want to help carry those difficulties as a crew. If if Jeff doesn't know that I've had a hard day at work or at home or wherever it may have been, now he has a really hard time understanding why I'm being the way that I'm being. Well, man, I know something's off with Chad, but I don't know what it is. Or if they haven't worked with me before, they just may assume that that's my that's my normal way of doing it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think there needs to be a time when we have at the altar type honesty with our crewmates saying, hey, this is just where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. And it's not where I want to stay. It's mm -hmm. not where I want to be. But I know there's the potential for this to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about it, it's no different than if you tweaked your knee the night before on a game. And say, guys, I'm feeling good right now. But just so you know, tweaked my knee a little bit last night. So if you see me pull up funny or whatever, just know that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Well, why do we do that? Because we don't want something to catch our partners off guard. Mm. If something would happen, we want them to be aware why. Same thing happens when it comes to our attitude coming into a game. Yeah. You know, when I first walked in the office today, I said, you know, we both said, how's it going? And I said, oh, good or whatever. And you said, the last couple of days has been brutal. Yeah. You know, it has. And um, I would say at the altar type honesty when i when i use that phrase i am guilty of not using it in my day-to-day -day life as much as i do in officiating world mm -hmm. um i try to be but w which we, you know chad doesn't want to be burdened with my problems Mm -hmm. You know, you know, whoever, you know, name the person, you know, I don't want to bother them. It's, it's you know, I'll get through it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what is the phrase? Um, it takes a village to raise mm -hmm. a child or whatever it is. You know, it, we're all, we're, we're all each other's keepers. And if I, there's no way I can help Chad unless Chad tells me what's up, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I didn't have a solution, but if I maybe, you know, he was whatever, struggling to find a, had a couple of officials, had to get off games or whatever it is. And, well, hey, I just talked to official A, B, and C. They're open tonight. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great news. Yep. I would have never been able to help that situation unless you told me. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes I think what gets in our way is our pride. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and when our pride gets in the way, boy, it's, it's a strong barrier. It's a strong barrier in a way that we... It take it's like under not under lock and key it's under lock and key chain deadbolt everything you may unlock one thing but we're still not there yet yeah and um <clears throat> it, if you can keep just a crack in the door it'll help to be able to to voice some of those concerns whatever they may be assuming they're not life-threatening 
Absolutely. And, you know, I think that that's something we can carry over to so many aspects of life. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, we had a really bad night on the court and now we're going home. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. If if we just try to act like nothing's wrong, but our significant other knows there's something wrong, oh no, no everything's fine. Everything's fine. Well, mm-hmm. now what happens? Now they immediately begin to question. Well, is it me, mm-hmm. or is it something else, mm-hmm. or whatever? Where again, if we just have that honest one, I tell you what, I we can't do anything about it. I really am not even a good place to talk about it. But mm-hmm. it was a horrible night on the court tonight. Mm-hmm. Well, just having that honesty up front keeps that from affecting my relationship at home. Yep. Or my relationship at work the next day or whatever it might be. And I, I think that we just need, we, we talk about communication, 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 right? Mm-hmm. We, we do it all the time. Communication with coaches, with players, with crew. But yet some of those kind of components we forget about. And I, I think that can be really key. Yeah. It, it, it's even, so many people think, well, my problems aren't near as bad as your problems. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. voice mine. And the vice versa happens is is they go that, you know, Chad has no idea what I'm going through on a day-to-day basis. Well, because I'm not telling him. And so I think if we can just, even if we improve this by, let's just say, let's just say we're really good at it by, if a hundred percent is perfect, let's just say we do it 50% of the time. Imagine what a better place we would be in if we could just improve it by 20%. Mm Mm-hmm. Now let's put it at 70%. And we do it for 70% for a year. And now next year we're going to be a little bit better. And now we're going to add another 10%. Now we're at 80%. We keep working towards that goal. We'll find ourselves in really good spots when times are difficult. Or even when times are difficult. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sometimes we, we, we want to shy away from the difficult times. So what will make, it more, what will make a difficult time more difficult? is keeping it a secret and, and keeping it under wraps. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Our next question, uh, Jeff and Chad love the podcast. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you to say. We agree. <laughs> uh, the, the person writing our question says, uh, I am a college baseball umpire who also works high school basketball in the winter. Good. Good. I think it's a great way for me to stay in shape. I also think it makes me a better official on the baseball field. I would agree with that. He said, it seems like this year has been one of the worst ever as far as behavior on and off the court at high school basketball games. I'm worried that the thin skin that I've developed from that is going to carry over to my college baseball season. What steps do I take to keep that from happening? Well, I'm going to say this. I have no idea who wrote this, but I'm going to take you back to my first years in officiating. I had already done, you know, whatever, 10, 15 years of, of umpiring baseball. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to take you back to the first, you know, year or two of me refereeing basketball. And I felt the same way. I was like, man, it's they're always yelling at me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll, I'll even give you the phrase because uh, – was refereeing a, like a it was like a sixth grade basketball game, and the sixth grade basketball coach was also a baseball coach, mm. and I have umpired many of his baseball games. So I had spent the better part of the year, you know, getting yelled and 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 the behavior was bad, and you know, just a lot of things, right? And this is the phrase that made me realize what was happening. At least it helped me. I think I had had a play. You know, it's so long ago, I don't remember if I got it right, wrong, or different. Probably got it wrong. I was early in my career. And this coach says to me, who had seen me in baseball for years, says to me, he goes, Jeff, you're way better at baseball than you are basketball. Mm. And it made me think, that's probably really true. (laughs) That's probably why I'm getting yelled at as much, because I'm just not as good at it. And like I said, I don't know who who this listener is, but... I don't think you're going to have to worry about your thin skin that, as they are saying, they developed into baseball because you are, I'm just speculating, that you're way better at baseball than you are at basketball. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to have to worry about that as much. So sometimes when we think we're developing thin skin or a coach is, or a player or a fan or whatever it is, 
that sometimes we need to look inward and go, hmm, maybe I'm just not as good. Now, we still need to have a, 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 a way about us, a confidence, a an officiating prowess about us that we still got to work with confidence. If we don't do that, we will definitely, if we listen to all the outside noises, we will most definitely be bad. But I think that's probably, for me, was the eye-opening moment to go, oh, okay, he's saying something that is probably true. Mm-hmm. And I had I had to be the first one to accept it first. Once I accepted it, you know what? Mm, he's right. And he apologized. And the assistant coach was like, you know, why are you saying that to him? You know, sure. all those things. But it helped me to realize I need to improve. And it made me a better baseball umpire. You know, it made me a better basketball umpire. It made me just a better person in general. And we're all so afraid of hearing, you know, this truth of that eh, maybe you weren't that good that night and you know maybe you're not that good in general you still need some experience um so to, i guess to finish would be to not worry about if you're developing thick thin skin mm-hmm. compared to what you've seen in the past and you're worried about that worried about keep developing in your craft keep keep developing your officiating skills and then I, th- I think you'll see a turn there where they're not as um, aggressive in their in their nature, in their behavior. Sure. Well, I'm going to go on a slightly different tactic than Jeff did because that's just what we do sometimes, right? <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, usually it's a pushback. I want to push back on that. <laughs> I'm not pushing back. I'm just going in a different direction. How's that? All right. Sounds good. Um, first of all, let me just tell this particular listener, I have had lots and lots of conversations with basketball officials that work both college and high school. Um, friend of ours is a regular listener to this podcast, Kevin. Jeff and I both know uh, Kevin works a lot of high school basketball uh, just across the state line into Wisconsin and works tons of college basketball mm-hmm. at multiple different levels. And uh, we were talking last week and he made the comment. He said, it seems like every single high school basketball game that he sees there are technical fouls being given out. Mm. Not just occasional, mm-hmm. but it is a regular part of the game right now. Okay. So I would say, first of all, to this listener, you're probably accurate in saying that it's it's just a different environment this year. I would agree. You know, uh, we had one of our local assigners here say that they were just, just thought everybody was going to be happy to get to play ball again, mm-hmm. you know, and things would be calmed down, and that just that just hasn't happened. So that's what I would say, number one. Number two, I would say it's awesome that we get the opportunity to see a difference between collegiate athletics and interscholastic high school or junior high athletics. And what I mean by that is at the collegiate level, we get much more direct information from our superiors about what is and is not tolerated. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball. We have this wonderful phrase. So as you're moving into your college baseball season, coach, this is your official warning. Mm. If you continue to argue, you'll be forced to be, uh, to be ejected from this contest. And that's a phrase that at the NCAA level we are supposed to use before we eject a coach. What that does is, is that it gives that coach an opportunity to stop. Mm-hmm. Okay? They know this is where the line is today. Right? Um, basketball for many of us, it's very different, especially at the high school level. I, I know some local high school associations where it's a badge of honor to never give out a technical foul. It doesn't matter what you've been called, what's been said about you or your parentage. They don't want you giving out a technical foul. There are other high school associations where they think it's a badge of honor to give out six a game. Mm-hmm. The, the reality is probably neither one of those are healthy. I would agree. Right? It's mm-hmm. it's probably somewhere in the middle. But as a as a high school basketball official, we don't always get that from our state associations, you know, that are telling us what they expect or don't expect, even though it may be in the rule book. Mm-hmm. There's all of these unwritten rules and all that kind of stuff that's there. At the collegiate level, we have very clear guidelines for us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that because of that, whether we're talking basketball, baseball, or any other sport, because of those clear guidelines, that helps us not have a thin skin in those moments. 
And the other thing it does is it also gives those coaches an out. Let's say one day my skin is a little thinner than normal, mm-hmm. right? And especially at baseball, which is where this question came from. If, you know, the very first time they pop off to me about balls and strikes from the dugout, I turn to him and I say, okay, coach, that's your official warning, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I do that. Well, it may have been too early for me to have done that. But at the same time, the coach knows now they can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so now if they choose to go ahead and continue, then they've made that conscious choice. Right, right. Versus in a basketball game where, you know, one day a coach complains about one thing and we let him complain about it for the next 30 minutes. Whereas the next day, uh, the next official hears him talk about it one time and boom, we got a technical foul, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's very different. So I think it's great that in collegiate athletics, we get that structure Mm -hmm. that I think helps us. And then we also have those supervisors, uh, both our our assigners, as well as the the people from the NCAA or NAIA that are, are saying, this is what we want enforced at the, the different levels that we're working. So that's, that's one thing that I would say, first of all, don't, don't think that you are off base because it does seem like from lots of different areas uh, of the country that it's just a a different landscape this year for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, Mm -hmm. you know, and number two, lean on the training that we're given at the collegiate level that gives us guidelines for what we do and don't do. Think about what you just said there. Lean on the training we're, we're given from the collegiate level. If this person right here leans on that training and sees some what he thinks is you know that some bad activity or some bad behavior, lean on activity. I'm guessing, purely guessing, if you told a high school basketball coach, coach, this is your official warning. And whatever the other phrase is, if mm-hmm. you continue on, you're going to be ejected from this contest. I bet it works. Mm-hmm. I bet it works like a charm. <laughs> you know? And... Th- the high school never gave you that direction. Mm-hmm. So in the, this unwritten rule stuff, I get it. But who wrote the unwritten rules? Mm-hmm. These are all things that someone just decided to go, hey, yeah, that's an unwritten rule. Well, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, and I don't know how I can enforce it. And can I write an unwritten rule? I'm going to write an unwritten rule that we unwrite the unwritten rule. You know, that, that it don't make sense. So yeah. I, I get it when you're around the game, but when we're developing new people, unwritten rules aren't, you know, pretty difficult to, to learn. So, yeah, I, I want to do, uh, you know, as far as you talk about the landscaping of, of unsporting behaviors and things like that in basketball and, you know, maybe even continuing to baseball, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um our school, which is a small Christian school of, as I've said many times in the podcast, it, from kindergarten through all the way through 12th grade, is just above 200. Mm-hmm. So it's a small school. We've had more technical fouls and yellow cards in soccer than we've had, than, than I can remember this year. And some of that is either a coach is frustrated in whatever way, shape, or form. Or maybe is feeling frustrated and feels a frustrated from the crowd, and then that just spills over into the officiating. So you know they take it out on someone. Yep. Or whatever whatever scenario may be. So yes, it, it's it's happening. It is happening, and there's no denying it's happening. I don't know that we can put a a, a graph on it and say, okay, this is what's going on because we we don't know who is actually issuing technical files, who is just putting up with you know just crazy behavior thinking it's all right and no technical fouls are given you have to get get you know boots on the ground and go to a game and see what's happening so yeah i would agree the landscape is changing um and we're either going to have to change with it or reel it back in to get it back you know yeah no i i absolutely agree and i i think it's a it's a great question for us to think about because it's not just about whether or not we are we are high school officials or we are college officials or whether it's baseball or basketball or softball or anything else i think what it comes down to is where are we at that day that moment mm-hmm. how do we still give our best mm-hmm. 
And so, um, you know, again, leaning into that training that we've got. And sometimes just acknowledging that it is a problem allows me to breathe. Because, <laughs> okay, well, it's not just me. Yeah. I'm not the only one getting yelled at today. Yeah. <laughs> you Truth, know, right. other other people, you know, mm-hmm. have it happen to them too. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's big. And, and, you know, I think it's great for those of us that are in the middle of a, a college basketball season who maybe do work high school and college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that'd be a great thing for, for you to send in to us. You know, what are some things that you do? Send it to Uncommon Drive Podcast at gmail.com and let us know what are things that you do differently on a high school game versus a college game? Or do you do anything differently? Mm-hmm. And does that does that work for you? And then maybe we could see the same thing happen on the uh, on the baseball side as well. And it gives you a chance. If you're a college official working in high school sports, it gives you a chance to spread some of that collegiate training Mm-hmm. into someone who just works high school sports. Yep. Hey, this is what we do here, and we seem to have pretty good luck with it. Yep. You know, and I'll remember, I remember years ago, back when I was working high school baseball, and at the time it was Anthony Holman who was the uh, executive director in charge of uh, baseball. Okay. And uh, he came to a, a local meeting of ours, and he said, you know, I, I want everyone to remember, because, you know, everyone's talking about ejections, and I mean, it's it been talked about for years. But he said, I don't want you all to forget that we have a, a restriction to the dugout rule. And, and and I was like, oh, we do have that, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I went back to my unwritten, oh, unwritten rule, man. I'm just dumping them, you know, whatever it is, right? Yep. The first time I restricted someone to a dugout, it was like church. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I didn't have to eject anybody. I didn't have to fill out a bunch of paperwork. I didn't have to get my blood pressure up. Yep. I just restricted them to the dugout. They stayed there. They coached. They understood where the line was, and it works. So find those. I don't want to say find them, but realize that those those steps are put in place and use those steps, and you might find some success that's going to keep you from having to deal with other behavior issues. I agree. Uh, another one of our listeners, Tim, uh, sent in a, a really nice uh, message to us the other day. And then he asked a question and answered his own question, yeah, which right. I loved. Mm-hmm. The, the question he asked was, how do you know if someone needs encouragement? And then the answer he gave is they're breathing, mm-hmm. uh, which I loved mm-hmm. because we know that we we live in a world where we we desperately need encouragement. But I'd like to take this one step further. Jeff, How what what are some practical ways that you encourage other officials? Um, so I th- for me, it starts at the beginning. Let's, let's just give you a small scenario here, a short scenario. Whatever. So I get an email today, so I have, I have my game reminder for Friday is, you know, 7 o'clock at wherever school. And I will send an email or a text message to my crew, whether I'm the crew chief or not, you know, hey, this game's confirmed, you know, whatever that might be. But the phrase that I always use is, I'm looking forward to seeing and working with you both. I'm already telling everyone that I'm excited about getting together with with my crew. Mm-hmm. Forget encouraging, you know, during, you know, all that can go on, but I want to encourage right away. This is what's this? I'm looking forward to it. Not, hey, listen, I got to, you know, fly back from Pittsburgh and I'm going to be tired and, you know, leave me alone and all those things. I want to encourage them that this is what I'm looking forward to. And it's amazing what one phrase can do like that to set a, set the table for the three hours we're going to be together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, a simple thing like that. And can I take that a step further this year, especially? Sure. I think one of the things that we are missing out on, Jeff and I were just talking before we started recording today. Uh, there's a friend of ours that I was going to get the opportunity to work with mm-hmm. this week. Mm-hmm. I was really excited to get to work with him. He's been a clinician of mine, but I've never been on the court with him working a game. I was so excited to work this game. And he got pulled off the game. Of course, my natural assumption is that he got a... a a higher level assignment, which is great. And, you know, something to be celebrated, that kind of thing. And one of the things that I'm going to do is send them a message just saying, Hey, I, I'm going to miss that opportunity. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Pardon me. 
getting choked up just thinking about it. <laughs> no, it's one of those things where, you know, all of us are seeing game changes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's because people are testing positive for COVID or they have family members they have to quarantine for, or maybe it was just a, a change at work or whatever. But how neat is it to get a message from somebody saying, Hey, just so you know, I'm going to miss, mm-hmm. I'm going to miss you. I was looking forward to seeing you mm-hmm. and I'm going to miss you. Cause yeah. a lot of times when, when we see them gone, we just move on to the next thing. Yeah. Oh, Hey, so are you added to the game? Mm-hmm. See you on Thursday night or whatever it right. might be. I think that's another great way to encourage people. Let them know when they're missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even I'm going to take it a step, step further. Nice. So let's say you have those one or two officials that you really enjoy, you know, maybe you're good friends with, or, you know, you've always had, you know, quality times on the floor and then you don't see him on your schedule. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with reaching out to him? Hey man, whatever. Hey, I, I haven't, uh, I, we didn't, our schedules didn't cross this year. I'm, I'm a little disappointed by that. I would, you know, I would really like to, to, uh, being able to have a couple games with you. So those are ways of encouraging, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, whatever. Oh, well, yeah, he or she's kissing up or whatever it is. But first of all, don't say it if it's not true. That's right. And if you would like to hear it, then it's okay to say it. I like that. Yeah. So we all want to be encouraged in that way. You know, I, I would love it when someone just texted me and go, hey, man, I, we haven't had a chance to work together. I'm really disappointed. I, I worked with a uh, gentleman earlier this year and we had net worked together. We typically work, but we didn't work at all together last year. And we finally got a chance to get together this year and work. And, um, said something along the lines. I'm probably going to botch it, but it was something along the lines. Um, I really miss looking across the floor and seeing you. Mm-hmm. And he said a phrase, he says, um, uh, as far as he was concerned, he didn't work with me enough. He would like to work with me more. You know, something. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, this is really nice. Yeah. This is really nice to say. And it was very encouraging mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So sure. I, I took that and put it in my, my mental digital notebook and said, oh, you know, I'm going to use that in a way that I think could be a positive way. Another thing I like to do to encourage people is, you know, I, I love when I'm working with younger crews. And they have a, a quality uh, performance. You know, one of the things I say to them, I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast or not before, but I'm going to say it again. So me, you know, whatever, 15, 20-year Division One referee is working with a five-year Division One referee and a third-year Division One referee. And they have a quality experience. So we get done with the game, and I, I always say, not that I am retiring, but if I was to retire tomorrow... I know the game will be in good hands with the two of you. Mm. You know, that is an encouragement that young officials need. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they got everything perfect. Sure. Doesn't mean that, you know, they're going to go to the final four. But the game, the greater good of NCAA basketball, NCAA women's basketball, is going to be in good hands with people like those young officials. So those are important phrases, I think. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I was actually taught something, um, by Jeff, the very first division one game I ever went to, uh, he had an official that was brand new to that particular league. Um, and he had gone online and he had purchased just like one of those little cinch sacks, Mm -hmm. right. That had the logo of that conference on it and had provided it to that official that night and mm-hmm. kind of said, Hey, welcome, welcome to the league. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was a neat little thing. And, and I looked at it and I remember at that time I was, I was working high school games only. And so that, that cinch sack was probably like 50% of a game check for me, you know? Yeah, right. and, 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 and part of it, I was looking at it going, man, like that's like, that's, that's a really generous gift. And then when I realized, you know, like the amount of money that you made on that particular game, mm-hmm. I realized that percentage-wise, that's much smaller, mm-hmm. you know, than, mm-hmm. than what it would have been. Uh, at that point, I had no clue about, you know, what, what game fees were level to level. <laughs> I mean, I was so raw and so new and everything. Um, but what I loved about it was it showed me that it wasn't just the the money expenditure, okay? It, it wasn't about the investment of, money or resources, but it required an investment of time Mm -hmm. on your part. 
One, you had to have communicated with him, your assigner, your supervisor, somebody to know that it was their intro into that leak. So you had already invested something in them before the, the connection at the game had ever happened. Mm -hmm. You had given of your time to do that. Then you had to think of it early enough that you went and and got online, purchased it, did it in enough time that it would be delivered, mm -hmm. you know? So what that means is, is that this wasn't just something you looked at on Monday and, oh my gosh, this game was Wednesday. Right. You've been looking at this way down the road. Mm -hmm. I carried that over. Uh, and the first time I ever did something like that, um, I had a, a young official working their first ever plate game. They were working their plate game. I can't remember if it was a freshman or a sophomore game. And... At that point, I was basically only working college baseball. I wasn't working much high school at all. And I called up the assigner. I said, hey, I'm free on this day. I know they're working their plate, and I want to go be their base umpire. He said, oh, I got, I got like this varsity game. I could really use you on. I said, no, the only place I will work for you is on that field as the base umpire. And what I did that day is on, on the way there, I went by a local sports card and memorabilia shop around us, and I bought – um, a stand that you would put a baseball in, like oh. a, you know, a, a baseball that's got a signature or something on it. And so again, it was not expensive mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. During the process of the game, I had the first base coach instead of sending one of the foul balls back into the uh, back into the plate umpire, I had him hold it over at the dugout for me. And as the game was done, I grabbed that baseball from that coach. Went back over to the car and popped that baseball in the holder, handed it to him and said, hey, this is, uh, uh, this is game ball from mm -hmm. your first ever plate job. And uh, it's the first of many, the first from lots of different levels. Uh, I know this is somebody that eventually went on to work professional baseball. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, that was, that was really key. Again, it wasn't about the amount that was spent. It was about just the the effort that was spent in doing that. And so I've carried that over. I've done that at the collegiate level. Um, we have to be careful. I, I typically ask coaches ahead of time, <laughs> say, coach, is it all right if uh, you know this is so-and-so's first game in this league? Uh, they're great. Uh, could, it, could I grab a game ball after the game? Sure. You know, and I'll go buy one of those, you know, five, $10 little, you know, acrylic <laughs> baseball holders. And we you know we can't do that in basketball. We don't get game balls in basketball. No, That'd be right. kind of expensive uh, to pull off or whatever. But yeah. there are things like that, that we can do. And again, I think it's that time investment. And so if we're really looking for ways to encourage other people, it's, it's finding, it's finding that information and, and connecting with them in those ways. I, I would, you know, that's, I think what you've said the, the first part is the most important. If you're really looking for ways to encourage someone, mm -hmm. you are not going to encourage someone if you're not looking to do it. Um, you know, just a simple five-minute investigation yep. to send an email to the assigner and go, is this their first time in the league? Mm -hmm. You know, or ask a few friends or whatever it is. You have to really search it out. If you're going to encourage people and you really want to be, you know, at least somewhat proficient at it, you're not going to just wake up and go, okay, I'm going to start encouraging people. Well, how are you going to do that? So I think that's where we need to be, need to be better and we need to improve. Not the actual encouragement is seeking out the opportunities to encourage. Um, you know, and I love talking about this subject because our job as officials, umpires, you know, referees, whatever that might be, is is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. And my game this weekend, um, we had a, our official scorer was, I mean, just a good dude. He was just happy, and you know, um, he was just you know really going about his day. And you know, hey Jeff, good to see you again. And and um, it was it was myself and two uh, other female officials. And so I was by myself in my locker room and he comes in and he, you know, he's, he come in for a reason. One was, he said, Hey, Jeff, you know, I'm sorry, but I just have never seen one of your officials before. And I, and I, I can't remember her name. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you have her name? Said, yeah, but whatever. So we got into our small talk. I'm like, how long have you been doing this? You know, or he said, I'm 75 years old. I've been doing it for, you know, 
45 years and, you know, it's, I don't have any kids at home and it's great, you know. And I said, well, you know, is it rewarding for you? He goes, it's way more rewarding for me. The, the positives outweigh the negatives way more. Okay. And what, and it made me think, well, how, how, how bad are we as referees or just in general where we're focused on the two negative things we've done when we've actually done positive things for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's what I want to do when it comes to encouragement. I want to have way more positive experiences either for myself or help create them for people that I work with. Mm-hmm. So when they're 40 years into it and you go, yeah, the experiences, the positive experiences outweigh the negative experience by a, by a ton. Yeah. So that made me feel good. I'm like, man, this guy is making my day better. <laughs> what can I do? So, yep. And then the last thing that I would say on this is that, you know, and we've said this over and over, pick up your phone mm-hmm. and make a phone call. Yep. Texts are great, right? Texts are great because we know somebody's thinking, and if that's all you got time to do, a text is better than nothing. Right. But if you get the opportunity to pick up a phone call, even if it's just two or three minutes, hey, we're just thinking about you. What's your what's your week like this week? Where are you working at this week? Who are you working with? Whatever those things might be. Yeah. It's a phenomenal way to encourage people around you. I, my buddy Brad Maxey calls me. We talk throughout the whole year. Mm-hmm. But sometimes he'll call and he'll literally say, just checking in. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just I don't, I don't need anything from you. You don't need anything from me. I'm just checking in with you to see how your high school baseball season is going or if did you play golf this week, whatever that is. So we, we need to check in. That's right. Just check in. No, that's great. Our last question of today's episode, um, first of all, I want to say I love the honesty of this official because mm. I think sometimes these are things that we um, either we feel embarrassed asking about mm. Or we feel like it's wrong for us to ask about it or whatever. So I want to start, before I ask the question, before I read the question, I want to start by saying most of us who work sports at any level, we want to be the best at what we do. We don't get into this because we go, you know what? I'd be content being in the lower third of people that work my level. (laughs) Right. Now, lots of us are in the lower third of people that work our level, right. right? That's right. But that, that's not why we get into it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and this person said, said, uh, I've, I've worked postseason a lot of my career. I'm very worried that I may not get a postseason assignment this year. And went on to explain a little bit of, of why, either the assignments they'd had or the positions they were assigned to during the year, whatever that might be. So then they had this two-part question. Number one, what are assigners looking for in postseason officials? Mm. And number two, what can I do to improve my chances of becoming a postseason official? Um, and so I, I think this is a great question. This person was talking specifically about basketball. We're, we're right in the middle of basketball season. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, many of those postseason assignments will begin leaking out here pretty quickly. I would think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I think this could also be carried over into we could be asking these same questions about, you know, baseball umpires that maybe are frustrated that they didn't get some of the series they wanted this year mm-hmm. or didn't get as many games at certain levels as they would have wanted and that kind of thing. So, Jeff, they they want to be a postseason official. Number one, what are assigners looking for? Number two, what can they be doing at this point to improve their chances? Yeah. My phrase that I want to use, and I know this is probably not going to help, but I'm going to use it, and maybe it'll it'll lead me to something else. I would much rather be, I'm just giving arbitrary numbers, I would much rather be a 70-game regular season official with no postseason than a 40-game regular season official with two postseason games. Mm -hmm. Because I'm building a business. This is what I'm doing. And, I, and you know, McDonald's has never won the five-star Michelin uh, food award, but they serve how many billions of cheeseburgers every day. Mm-hmm. And they're a multi-million dollar company. So you can be very, very successful 
without ever making the postseason. Mm-hmm. So the postseason is not something we decide we're getting to. Mm-hmm. The, the baseball series is not something that we decide we're getting. Mm-hmm. It's not our job. So as much as this person, you know, who, like you said, I have to commend for being totally honest. They're mm-hmm. worried about that. They're, I believe they're worried about something that they are not part of the decision-making process on. Mm-hmm. And if you're not part of the decision-making process, you can't, you can't be weighing in on why. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if, if there was anything you could do, if I want to put some tangible things on this, I would ask, okay, basketball official, you work a game on a Monday night, seven o'clock. Are you watching film Tuesday morning before you go to work? Mm-hmm. Are you spending 30 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour breaking down a few case plays in the case book? Are you doing those things? Are you you know, working out an extra 30 minutes throughout the season, even though you've already just ran for two hours, so I still got to get another 30 minutes workout in. These are all just simple, tangible things. And I am going to say, we're going to say the phrase again, right? You, I want you to give me the at the altar type honesty. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me you are when really you're watching two clips that were sent to you and you go, yeah, I watched film. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I often refer to our buddy Corky, and he used to always say, and I I used to give him a hard time for this all the time. He he would have a play, and the coach would argue it, you know, and he would say, you know, go ahead, check the film on that one. I got that play right. And I used to always give him a hard time. I'm like, you're telling that coach to check the film when you know you're not gonna check the film, dude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. Those are th- real things that you have to ask. And I, even if you ask me if I work hard, I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. I do work hard. And I work, uh, I've had a pretty successful officiating career via baske- baseball and now into basketball. But there's so many people that work harder than me, so many more people. And they get what they work for. So I guess my answer would be the short long of it is do more work. Do more work that counts. Do less complaining and do more work. That'd be my answer if I'm going to be totally mm-hmm. honest. Well, you know, I'm going to come at this a little bit from from the conference coordinator side of it. Because, you know, I, I get these questions from my from my umpires every year. Um, I get questions from some of my umpires that want to work levels higher than what they're currently working or, you know, they want to work postseason in this group or that group or whatever. <clears throat> First of all, to piggyback on what Jeff just said, uh, my statement a lot of times to other people is um, you may find other people that will work as hard as I do, but you won't find people that work harder. Okay, I acknowledge the fact that other people are out there working every bit as hard as I am, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I work pretty hard at what I do. But I can work, let, let's, let's just say that I'm giving a effort as far as, as how hard I work. Mm-hmm. There are people that only have to put in C effort to be better than me. <laughs> Maybe just because they have more natural aptitude at it than I do. Maybe it's because there are things about their their physique and all that they just don't have to work as hard at some of those kinds of things. Maybe the game just comes naturally to them. Whatever it might be, it's not always about how hard we work. The second thing that I would say is that many times, especially when we're talking about postseason, and, and well, really, to, even the regular season for a lot of things, you don't know what things your assigner has been given directive about. Mm. So well maybe a, a really great way to put it is you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. And it could be that your assigner has been told, look, for our postseason, we don't want any officials 
further than 75 miles away because we know during our conference tournament sometimes it's bad weather or whatever and we don't want to scramble mm -hmm. for officials at the last minute so we only want officials from this far and that that happens sometimes at at lower levels now at the division one level they're flying people in they're doing that kind of stuff that's not as big a deal but at those lower levels sometimes that that happens um sometimes there are there are conferences that say uh, we we want all of our officials at our conference tournament. We we want them to have seen seventy five percent of the teams mm -hmm. in our conference. And maybe you were assigned that at the beginning of the season, but because of COVID or whatever, now you haven't seen them. And your assigner went to bat for you with the conference. Said, look, they were assigned, but we couldn't work these games. And the conference says, nope, that's still the standard we want to have. Well, guess what? Now they're they they have to hold to what their employer is requiring mm -hmm. of them, and I think that is is really really big. Another thing that I will say, and and I say this, knowing that I am I am at this spot in my own career, and so I I get this and I understand this. I, I've been fortunate enough, especially on the baseball side, that I've now worked multiple conference tournaments. It would be really easy for me to say, you know what? I've worked this conference tournament for the last four years. I'm going to work it again next year. Right. Yeah. Right. Really easy for me to say that. And guess what? Probably a 95% chance that that's true. But I will tell you, as a coordinator, one of the things that I have to look at is who do I have new and coming up that is gaining postseason experience? If all of my postseason umpires in my conference are 50 years and up, and they've all been doing it for 15, 20 years, then I'm going to have a huge drop off at some point mm -hmm. because I'm going to lose all my postseason experience. Mm -hmm. So this year, I may need to bring in two new umpires that maybe aren't as good as some other umpires that potentially could be working that postseason just because. I need them to gain some postseason experience because that's what's going to help them get better. Mm -hmm. And now that you know, now they're working that postseason with other established great umpires, and now they're better able the year after and the year after and the year after to be in that spot. Mm -hmm. And if I don't do that, I'm hurting myself. But guess what? If I bring in two new umpires to work my conference tournament, that means there's two other umpires that now are not working yeah. that conference tournament. Can't just put extra umpires on it. That's exactly <laughs> Somebody's right. Somebody's got to get out of the way. And, and there may have been absolutely nothing that those umpires did wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just that it was time for somebody else to get an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love what Jeff said, you know, that, yes, I'd, I'd rather be a, a 70 game regular season official with no postseason than a 40 game with two. But the other thing that I will say is I want to be the kind of person that it hurts for my assigner to finally take me off the conference tournament. Mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is when they, when they look and they make that decision between me and somebody else, even if in their head they know they need to go to the new person, mm -hmm. it still hurts their heart a little bit. Mm -hmm to pull me off because mm -hmm. I've, I've had to do that on the side. I know what it's, I know how hard that person works. I know what they do. I know all that, but I know for the greater good of the game, mm -hmm. that's what's necessary in the moment for that particular conference in that particular situation. And the other than piece that I would say to that is they, they asked, what can they do? Mm -hmm. Right. That, that's what this, this person said. What can I do right now? Well, right now, there's not a ton you can do because more than likely decisions have already been made for the postseason when it comes to basketball. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That's already been done. But I will say this. Assigners and supervisors pay attention to people that gripe and people that praise. What I mean by that is. When it gets back to them that all you've been doing is complaining that you didn't get the opportunity, more than likely, they're going to hear about it. Mm -hmm. You may think they won't. Oh, I'm just telling people that I trust and they're going to keep it to themselves and whatever. I'm telling you, they're going to hear about it. Yeah. At the same time, 
If you're the one that calls up the person that got the opportunity for the first time, and you're the one that says, hey, I just want you to know, congratulations. Mm -hmm. That is an awesome opportunity that you're going to get. I'm going to be watching, whether it's in person or I'm going to pull up the live feed or whatever. I just want you to know you've got somebody rooting for you as you go work your first conference tournament. You know, it's amazing how that gets back as well. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that supervisor's talking to that to that umpire or that basketball official, you know, before that first game, hey, are you are you nervous? Are you whatever? You know, just trying to get them. Oh no, you're not going to understand. Jeff called me the other day, mm-hmm. and and Jeff was the very first one to congratulate me. And in the back of their mind, they're going, well, man, I Jeff's the one that lost their spot, so mm-hmm. this person could get it. Mm-hmm. Man, if Jeff's that kind of person, mm-hmm. if that's who he is, then. Maybe next year when that opportunity comes back around, I need somebody like Jeff, not just cheering from the stands, but I need them on the crew with my younger ones, mm-hmm. helping yeah. them get that experience. And, you know, just in that same scenario, that coordinator goes, man, you know, Jeff said that. The NCAA really could use someone like Jeff working for them. Mm. Yep. You know, we that would be, Jeff could be a great asset to helping develop the younger officials or whatever that is help with development and training. Yep. So when Jeff comes off the floor, I know, you know, I know where we're going mm-hmm. and that all of our decisions, every single one of them are going to have some sort of reaction or consequence or, or, you know, it's going to do something for us in the future. Yep. And if we, if we act like you just said, and you know, first one to call and whatever it is and that, and that word spreads, eventually you're going to be done working somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't care if it's, you're not going to referee, you're not going to be involved in NCAA officiating ever again, but other people will hear the things that you've done. And now we've got a, you know, a, a, a VP for some major corporation go, Jeff, I've heard, you know, I, I got a cousin who referees and he's told me all about you. Mm-hmm. I'd like to meet with you. I remember when I was coaching soccer and still officiating, I had a dad who worked for a major company in the area. And, uh, you know, he knew I wasn't looking for work, but he said, listen, I, my son has told me everything that you, you know, that you guys have talked about. We need people like you working for our company. So when you decide you want to go, you know, you're, when you're done with doing whatever you're doing, I would love to speak to you. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it, Yes, we want to encourage people, but you know, if we're going back to our roots of the uncommon drive, this is this is things that happen daily, mm-hmm. but we're too busy focused on I didn't get the postseason. Yep. When really you didn't get the postseason and something greater is about to happen for you in five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. You never know. You know, and I, I went to write it down, but don't worry about the things you're not getting instead showed gratitude for the things you are getting mm-hmm. last night i worked the game it was a division two game and i very i worked very minimal division two basketball games i felt very lucky to get that game because there's hardly any games going on yep they could have picked they could have, could have picked anybody and they picked me I'll probably never go to the Division II tournament, whatever it is, but they picked me. And that is what we need to focus on because when we focus on those things, when things really get tough, we're going to be, we're going to have just have a different mindset going into on that hour and a half ride home, go, oh man, it wasn't a good ball game or whatever it is. And um, we got to, we got to really stay with our gratitude. So, absolutely. You know, it's, it's uncommon to, Think outside ourselves. Mm. We've talked about that over and over and over on this podcast. And some people might say, okay, why why are we continually talking about that? Because that is truly what makes us uncommon. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you can be more excited for somebody else than you are disappointed for yourself. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, you you have to fabricate that. Like that doesn't come naturally. Like it's a conscious choice that you have to make. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm so excited they got that assignment. Yeah, I'm disappointed I didn't, mm-hmm. but man, I'm excited. I want to let them know. And then the more you the more you develop, and the more 
relationships that you create, then you actually, it, it, it happens for real. You really are thrilled that they got that opportunity because you know you had a little teeny tiny part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and you get to celebrate with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a huge part of what it takes for us to have an uncommon drive towards success. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think, I couldn't have said it better myself. I it just, I wish we could, I wish there was a magic pill, right? You take this pill and you're going to show gratitude and you're going to look for the good things and you're going to have an uncommon thought process. But there's no pill on it. Yep. But what there is, is there's practice. Mm-hmm. And we can practice doing this every day. And as I said at the very beginning, if we, if we do it 50% of the time, and then next year we do it 60% of the time, and 70% of the time, eventually we're going we're gonna to be doing all time. It's going to be very second nature to us. And we are, those kind of people will stand out. Mm-hmm. And those kind of people will stand out in, in very difficult situations and they're going to find themselves in spots they didn't think they were going to be in because of their practice over the past 20 years. Yep. One last thing that I'll say, and then we're going to end off today. Um, 15 years from now, when you've retired from working and somebody's looking at your officiating resume, hmm. they're not going to go, oh, he only worked the conference tournament four times instead of five. Mm-hmm. They're right. not going to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Most people even within the officiating world, aren't even going to care how many conference tournaments did they work. Mm-hmm. How many, they sound great whenever we show up at a conference and they introduce somebody or whatever. Sure. But what they are going to remember is the person that you were, mm-hmm. both on and off the court. Mm-hmm. That's what will make you uncommon. Yeah. I hope you guys have a phenomenal week. I hope this is helpful to you as you're driving to your game. If you do find it's helpful, share this. Share it on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, write us a review. Um, give us a rating, uh, and uh, we hope to be bringing you more content in the next few days that helps you have an uncommon drive towards success. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, and be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.